Okay, and we're back. Welcome back to the Jeff and Casey Show. Mm-hmm. Now, this is actually, I would say, if, if indeed having the six-hour fairly random podcast yes. is an attempt to get back to the roots of mm-hmm. Jeff and Casey Show, yep. then we've, we've certainly hit a high point. Because we just had a thing where the camera didn't record most we, of what we, we said for We lost about 45 minutes. Which yeah. is exactly what used to happen yeah, so in the course. old days. When well, we what's were... awesome is in that half an hour, we talked about the fact that the reason why we use this camera is it doesn't fuck up. That's right. But, so it just did. So I don't know what's going on. So what you missed was I told a long story about how I switched keyboards yes. recently, specifically so I had an easier time recording. Mm-hmm. There was that. And then we failed to record. The, that. And we... And that... During the thing where I talked about how I was really like torn because I loved the sound of my old keyboard and switched right. to a new piano keyboard because it had the yeah that didn't get recorded. That's true. Which we, is pretty we, awesome. We re-complained about Pacific Rim. We're catching you up on what you missed, missed. in this. So uh, it was the Pacific all, Rim thing is worth restating. Mm-hmm. I feel like okay. because Jeff yeah actually went and watched it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he hadn't seen it. it. If no. you saw our Pacific Rim, you know he hadn't seen it. Only yeah. I saw it, and I was telling him how bad it was. So he saw it. So the thing that was surprising about it is, is you said you hated it, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I did hate it. And, and then I watched it, and it was even worse than you said. Okay. And I tolerate some bad movies. Yes, you do. And and it wasn't. It was just bad. It was like the the the, the problems that it had were like really like film school problems of like places that were the editing like yeah just fundamental the point that the monster was chasing one character yeah. and then there's literally there's a five well, minute hold on, gap hold there. on the monster was not chasing a character he was he magically found where that yeah. character was like he he presciently knew where the character would be mm-hmm. and what's interesting about that is they kind of tried to set up some kind of excuse about this Right where it was like, uh, you know, they mind meld. The dude mind melds with the character. But it's two ways, right? And they're like, oh, it's two ways. So it's like, oh, the characters they don't want. They they maybe maybe you know what I was thinking in my head is maybe the monster wants to go kill that guy because now he knows something. But they went out of their way. It seems. To be totally wrong about that, because where the monster ends up finding that guy is some place that the dude been. didn't know. He'd right. never been there. So it's right. like, even if the monster is now serially checking locations that it learned from mind right. with the guy, like he finds old, it in a place he doesn't apartment. know. Yeah. He's like running to his old apartment. Right. So it's totally off that. And then, no. of course, the best part is he finds the guy and leaves him alone. Yeah. Well, there's a no explanation for so that. So why even, did he find him? There's it was even crazy. effects of the thing like doing a tongue yeah, around him, yeah, yeah. and then it pulls out and goes away. And there's no explanation. No explanation. There's like maybe he's distracted, but they didn't make that clear. It's no. like they lost five. There was a five minute. It feels like an edit where they were like, feels like it. We took this out and then just stuck it together. Right. I don't know why they didn't go back another five and minutes and take out thing. the whole yeah. thing with Charlie completely because. It didn't serve anything no, because he just shows up back at the place that he was kicked out of yes. five minutes before. Right. There was nothing in out. between there. You'd snap them together and then you'd like, where's my brain? It, yeah. Maybe does Ron Perlman need the money? Maybe they didn't want to cut him out. Well, no, you could leave him in. Okay. Right up to the point where Ron Perlman says, I'm going to the good one. You're, I'm kicking you out. That's true. Just move just, that forward and just, pretend that it already... Ha- yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't make any point. sense. It's like... and and, and the awesome part... It was pretty amazing. Where 
a helicopter lands at a construction site because there's one dude who's like he's battled so hard and now he's a construction worker and he's like just down part of the people still trying to help and then the helicopter lands he's not one of those highfalutin robot piloting people a helicopter lands and he somehow knows it's for him. Yeah, that was amazing. Like he just, I don't understand but, and, that. And not even that. He just starts walking but, out toward the Everybody else knew, side. too. Yes, that's right. Because they let him yeah. through and then yeah. stood behind to see yeah. what would happen. Yeah. I they mean, it doesn't least, make any sense. They should have at least waited for someone to get out of the helicopter. Yeah. Like, they could have just had someone get out first. And they're two separate shots. Yes. You could have edited to yeah. show the guy getting out first and then the dude was it's and, like but no that and then there's on the an, table. and then right yeah anyway then it's there's that part right after yeah. where he's like come back inside to talk to me and then he's sitting the dude's kind of brooding and he's like uh come back and he turns around and strides towards the camera so he's at like hero pose <laughs> and the guy's in the background like like a really bad yeah. two shot and then they're filming this and and he does like he leans forward. It almost seemed to me like it was the the lets everybody run through and hit your mark. Okay, because okay, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't seem real because he did. He walked towards it kind of slow, and then he does this thing. Well, you'll yeah, notice. It was okay, real. so anyway, here's the thing too that I've noticed a lot that happens with like that movie is people will say stuff like, "Oh, like such and such a thing," and I'm not saying this one necessarily was one of those. But like they're like such and such a thing is like an homage to X. Yeah. Right. That is not an excuse for anything. And right? I've seen when you do when you do an homage to something, what that means or what that should fucking mean is that you were able to incorporate a reference to something into your movie in a way that your movie still was good. Yeah. You can't make your movie suck and then say, well, the whole reason it sucked is because I was referencing other things. It's like. Anyone could do that. That's like a highlights reel. Right, right. That's like a fucking football recap. Like, I also, what the hell, you know? It's like totally ridiculous. There's also things that just, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a bad excuse. I also yeah, think it's, a, it, it's not and an I've excuse. seen a lot of the I've seen a lot of the anime that he claims that he used there and I don't have that same sensation of like absolute incompetence while I'm watching it. Like <laughs> I just was like this is they, yeah. I hated the effects. I thought the right. effects were shitty. Yeah, this you, you only should be. This should only be effects. But Cloverfield came out six years ago. Looked way better than this. Oh really? Yeah. I, I, just, I didn't think the effects necessarily looked bad. I thought they looked average. Like when they're stomping through the city. I mean, aside from the problems where the robot scale changes over and over. Like yeah, now there's he's big, all now kinds he's a, of now that, helicopters uh, yeah. to, and now he's, yeah. and now he's as big as a town and now he's a skyscraper. Um, but the, aside from that, like just him walking through, they're stepping on cars. None of that looked real to me. It looked okay. super fake to me. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, let's not. It just not it was painful. Yeah. So ignoring that. Yes. Moving okay. on. All right. From Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. So, now we were talking about rules to live your life by. So yes, prior to the issue with the video camera yeah. and going all the way back to the last segment that we mm-hmm. actually did record yeah. by pushing the record button. Yeah. <laughs> we had an email from Joe Hills where he was asking for rules for a small percentage of right. people to live by. Yeah. So we, we did a bad job answering that mm-hmm. and I thought that it would be good to roll into doing a bad job of answering another person who wrote in with a fairly similar okay. question. It's basically Jeff and Casey wisdom all right. Is the thing. Ooh. Which is kind of scary to yeah. think that there are people who want this. Right. But I don't know if I should be happy or sad that they want it. 
Well, so even when I watch the podcast later, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah, it's pretty depressing. You're just going, yeah. and then you and like you blink, and then Shit you come, happens. and then you just and you forget right. about what you were talking about, why you're right. talking about it, and then I'm yeah. just like, oh my god. So when yeah. I when other people see it and then are like, I want more of that. I'm like, oh. I guess yeah. we should be thankful that yeah. they can look past those <laughs> problems. You yes. know, it's more like, really, when you think about it, this podcast is less like a news show or something that you might liken it to because it has two people talking to each other. It's more like a sporting event. It's like, there's it's football, there's yeah. shit running, you're trying to catch the thing, yeah. you ran into the stands, like it's a nightmare, but yeah. like you managed to get a few more yards, like that's... That's more of the model. We, sometimes we crash the car. Sometimes into we the wall. crash the car yeah. into the wall. Right. Uh, no cars in football, but that's okay. <laughs> no need for continuity. Anyway, this next uh, this next viewer okay. submission All right. was actually to me personally. It was not to the podcast address. Okay. But it was kind of podcast related because it was somebody who like knew about me from watching the podcast. Oh, so okay. it wasn't like it was really to me as a separate thing. Okay. Um, and he was asking some questions. He had four questions he wanted me to answer. Okay. And as I said to him, is it okay if I just do these on the podcast? Because that's where you saw me originally, and that's probably the easiest way to answer these. And then Jeff can, can jump in, too, okay. you know, with his answers. He is from Russia. Well, I don't know All if right. he's from Russia. He says We that reach he is, into the Iron is, Curtain. He is a, it's not the Iron Curtain anymore. That's Wait. like 19... You know, 94 or something, what was, 92. But no, it was no, Russians, right? It, what? it is Russians? Well, was... the Iron Curtain, I believe, is uh, mostly refers to the part before like the Berlin Wall came down and Glasnost oh, okay. and all that stuff, right? Cold War, so actually. you typically don't call it the Iron Curtain right. after, like, I don't know, 86, 92. All right. We reach into the land uh, of, of, of the so track it would have been, suits. So it would have been after Reagan. Is pro- it, was, it would probably be during Bush... The first, so figure between 86 and 90, right. maybe. I'm guessing here. I don't know. And he said, please Wait, no, Reagan was tear 88. down that Sorry, curtain. Between, between 88 and 92. Mm-hmm. So let's say somewhere in there. All right. After that, not so much Iron Curtain. Okay. I don't think any. Now we've got Gorbachev. Putin wrestling bears or whatever it is. Pull, pull, pull open yeah. that curtain. Pull open that. Spread that curtain. Let's spread see what's behind curtain. that curtain. Spread it. Spread it again. Uh, so yeah, anyway. Yep. Uh, so I apologize in advance for mispronouncing this person's name because I do not know how to pronounce Russian at all. Mm-hmm. Not even, not even a. Sm- Are there any smidgen. like backwards letters in that name? Because that's when uh, really well, there aren't, but that may have been because Gmail like oh, fucking yeah. stripped them out or yeah. something. Uh, I don't know how that. Yeah, you know, that goes. Anyway, uh, this email says my name is Vyacheslav. Okay, Vyacheslav. don't know how to pronounce that, but that's mm-hmm. as close as I can probably get. I'm a 25 year old graduate student in Moscow, Russia. I know you from the Jeff and Casey show. Mm -hmm. If you have time, can you answer a few questions? I'd really appreciate it. Email seems to be the best thing for this kind of communication. If it's not the right way, I'd appreciate a link to Quora or Spring.me. Neither sites I know. That shows you how in touch I am with the pulse of the modern internet age. Right. I think Quora is like people post questions and then you answer them. All right. All right. So anyway, he says, you're a very intelligent person. Somehow he's still referring to me. <laughs> and frankly, I look up to you because of similar interests. Software engineering, game dev, critical thinking. So I'm very interested to know your position on another matter, which is philosophy. Okay. There are no clear or correct answers to these questions, and they may sound naive, but I'm sure you've thought about them at some point. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do Question that. number one. 
is why did you choose games? Why not math, physics, or another scientific field? Okay. And my answer to this is actually probably disappointingly simple. <laughs> and that's just because the other things you have to go to school to do. Okay. You do so not want to go to college. when I got into video game programming, yeah. or just programming in general, I should say, right. there really was no requirement that you went to college to do that. Because colleges just generally didn't have much in the way of programs that anyone valued. I see. Like, nowadays, I feel like at least Google puts an emphasis on having CS degrees mm -hmm. before they hire you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of other places do, too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know because I haven't been in the job market for, God, since... Well, I never have, I guess, yeah. because I always just got hired right out of sure. school and things. But um, So... From my perspective, my primary concern after I got out of high school was not ever going to school again. <laughs> right, okay. Like that was my primary, right. that was my overriding concern because oh, I so what absolutely hated everything about every second that I was ever in school in my life. <laughs> awesome. Period. Wait, so you went, you graduated from high school. I did graduate. It was from very high shortly after you came to Microsoft to be an intern because you no. were there. I went to Microsoft as an intern when I was in high school. Oh, okay. Because you were always the genius intern. That's I knew of you I, before then okay. through people that I knew. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's this really young I kid. I was not the genius intern. Well, I was the intern who found, figured out through accidentally stumbling. Well, I heard voices basically mm -hmm. uh, in the hallways that turned out to be Chris Hecker who had somehow gotten food to be delivered to his project every night okay. because they were quote-unquote crunching. This was Wingy at the time. Oh, God. And so as an intern, I'm like, sweet, dude, there is free food here every night, <laughs> and I am going to eat it. So that's actually how I ended up in the game industry per se. I see. Was because I started talking to Chris because I was eating his food, basically. Right. I mean, not his personal food, but his team's food. And so, basically, most of what Chris did, from what I could tell at the time, was play Doom. With him <laughs> and John Blossom and John Ross and those guys, awesome. right? They would play Doom networked after right. they ate in the thing. And I don't know what they were doing the other day, because I had to do intern right. stuff. Presumably they were working. Who knows? Right. But I'm like, awesome, this is food, more doom. food and Doom. I want in on this. So that's how I actually got to knew those guys, was by eating their food and booting up Doom on my computer to play. I see. This, and interestingly enough, <laughs> this is a little piece of, uh, of history that people forget about today, but I remember so vividly, which is nowadays, right? Every fucking first-person shooter game you play it's pretty much expected, I mean on the PC anyway, that it is WASD with this hand yeah. to move around, and mouse with the other hand. Yeah. But back then, with Doom had just come out, right? Some of us played on the keyboard, and some of us played with the mouse, but nobody thought to use those two things at the same time. There was a mouse look anyway then, really. Yeah, right? no, right. there was. You could play entirely with the mouse, with mouse look, shooting, right button would move. Oh, okay. Right? Right button moves forward, left button shoots, and your hand was basically just on the space bar to open things. Okay. And other people would play entirely with a keyboard, right? I... And I remember, and I don't know how much of this is constructed in my head, but I remember at one point, like, Chris came back from a trip to id, to get because they were working on getting them to port it to mm -hmm. Win G. Yeah, you know, remember that. 
came back from a trip and was like, holy shit, like down there, they play with both at the same time <laughs> and they just fucking kill everyone. And so we were like, oh, like that's how you do that, right? And so that was like the first time anyone had ever mentioned or told me about you do both hands and then it's like, oh yeah, you do. That's awesome. And that's, so it's just interesting to think about like back then, that wasn't a thing. You didn't expect right. that the players were doing that. But then gradually, it morphed from being something that no one thought about to being something that's just a given. That's of course awesome. everyone has to play a game this way. Right. It's that's pretty awesome. funny. That's yeah. awesome. I like it. Anyway, and that's also before the internet was a big thing. Yeah. Because like in 92, which I think is when that was. Yeah. Like 95 is when I start thinking of the internet is when now yeah. everyone starts to be on it. But 92 is still a couple years when people were sort of on the internet. Like we were on, yeah. we had like a, a text-based mail account. Yeah. But that was about it. You yeah. Know? Bix and CompuServe were the thing then because uh, yeah. uh, Abrash, Checker, uh, all those guys were on Bix. Yeah. Yeah. Way back then. Yeah. So, um, so, but you were, you, this, was a this was a strategy to avoid college. This is a strategy to like, avoid college. Okay, yeah. I can go do this. Yeah. I see. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with, like, I mean, I don't like to have to do more than one thing at a time. Mm. Okay, so you, right. Ever. Okay, right. Like, my thing so is... So you want, like, a month of study or whatever, like, focus on a topic... Well, you know, you talk about this a lot of time, which is like trying to identify the things that you're good at, mm -hmm. right? And one of the problems that I think that I have in general is that I can't do, I can't split my attention very well and do good, well, okay. good at things. Like, you don't like to anyway. Like, if you're typing on the keyboard and somebody's talking to you, you're like that's not gonna. That's you not just gonna happen. I wait, can't do that. and then you're maybe like, "What you did you say?" Yeah, yeah, maybe you yeah. can do. That. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think part of that is because so one of the things is there's different ways to be good at programming, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's definitely true. And pretty typically, I would say that I am not really good at anything in programming besides long term. Mm, just in general, like I've programmed for so long now that I can be better than a lot of people at one of these things just from sheer practice maybe. Right. So like it might appear that I did an okay job on something, but it's not really a very good job to compare to people who are good at that thing. Okay. If it's like, yeah, yeah, Casey, go write the X today. But given the two years. The two years I think I'm pretty good. They, yeah, okay. Right? But the but the thing that you had me do for a month is only so so Compared to somebody who is better at the short term right. sorts okay. of things, I feel like, right? Okay. And so I feel like a lot of that is that if you're having me rotate through things like what schools do, even schools that are supposedly like, okay, you instead of having four classes every semester, you only have one and it's a month or something like oh, that, right? I see. Even that's not enough because like I need several years to get good at this thing. All right. And so really you almost might say that the thing that the only thing I really have to contribute is I won't get tired of doing it for four years. <laughs> That's the majority right. of it, right? It's like I'll actually keep doing it for the four years or right. something. So what you need to skip right to postdoc, right? To like if I a skip thesis? Postdoc would be fine because yeah. then it's just like take three years to do this thing yeah. and I'd be like, sure, that I can do that. Like uh, if you yeah. asked me to do that, I could succeed, I think, at that. Yeah. Okay. I mean as well as 
the other people get to see that. I mean, right. it wouldn't necessarily be better than everyone, but I could do it at a level that I felt was competent, and I wouldn't be unhappy about it. I see. But so the other a- things that school are about, like the going to classes and stuff, I will be worse than everybody. I see. Even people who you might think I should be smarter than, I will be worse than them at that because I just can't do it. <laughs> awesome. I see. So basically, you looked at game development and said, okay, I can do good stuff here without necessarily going to school. Right, because most there of what, was no school or anything. Yeah, yeah, and most of what programming is about, it's one of the things that I like about programming. Most of what programming is about is it's mostly things like that. It's like yeah. someone asking you to spend a long time working on one mm-hmm. thing. And yes, that thing can involve maybe different aspects, but they're all supposed to be working together. Mm. And that's also why I tend to do more systems levely stuff than, you know, other people potentially is because I want to work on this thing for a long time, so I want to be thinking about the, right. I want the whole thing to be my project. I don't just want a little tiny thing that's going to get done in a month and then right. I have to move on to something else, right? Because that's not, I can't do very much there. I can't help, right, right. I can't contribute very highly, I think, in that position, right? Right. Um, so, yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay. That's the way I tend to think of it. Mm-hmm. So, I like that aspect of programming and I like doing those sorts of things. Um, Okay. So yeah. Okay. And like even when I'm doing something that ostensibly is a short-term thing, I tend to take too long to do it too. Like recently I did the stuff for The Witness, right? And I ended up spending, I think, something like a long time. I spent like 14 <laughs> weeks doing a collision detection thing, right? Yeah. Because that's, just, that's just the way I like to mm-hmm. do things or can do things, right? And so like that's just the way it ends right. up being. Awesome. So I don't know. I, so I'm not sure what about you, though. I don't know... If you oh. had the opportunity to choose, like you no, I mean, could have probably did. You went to Stanford, didn't you? So yeah, you had the opportunity so, to do math and physics. So for me, I was definitely – so all of my training uh, and everything I was set up to be was creative writing. Like that's all I did and then that's all I all I expected to be a writer all my life. That's weird. And then I ran into computers and then it, when I was in about eighth grade when there were just Atari 800s. Okay. And uh, at that point, all, you know, hey, you're dudes. So all your dude friends, especially then when computers were coming out, like that was naturally gravitated towards that because guys, it's like putting stuff together and stuff. And it was just clear. I like that, I like that notion that somehow the computers were bro things. Oh, they, they definitely totally were in our were. school. That's weird. In really? our school, like having like in, the, in those days, it was like. After school, all the guys would go in and play with like no. the TRS 80s and try like typing in Space Invaders or Space Invader like games. No, it was just like that was, I mean, this was probably what 79 or 80, like in that range. So it was all TRS 80s. That is so yeah. Commodore, wild. We had a Commodore, not the what, not the pet, but not the 64, the big white one. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't one. remember I what it was called. They had that one. At we school. had a sixty-four. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, but it was just the big white. I was so much better. One twenty-eight. I don't remember. No, I don't. The one twenty-eight was just a sixty-four with a little more. No, no, no. This was not. This was before the sixty-four. Oh, it came out at all. Okay. It was before okay. the pet. It was. I don't know. Whatever they called yeah. that machine. Was it was like one mind. unit, and it was almost like a. Anyway. <laughs> I like you keep making this. It's pyramid. a pyramid kind okay. of shape, flat, and then out. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, no, it's just obvious that I was really good at it, like, and beyond where my friends were. And I was like, I could think about things a little bit more and I wasn't writing a lot of code there, but it was like, they were saying, you know, we talk about things like, how do you think they do that? And I was like, well, you just have, 
you know, a table and it, not at now you know what an array was, but you'd have like a thing and then you didn't, and it was just very, I was very lucky in the sense that what my intuition is really lines good at, up with that, lines up with, with programming, programming really well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, so for me game develop, so I, I did, so I did not continue writing as much and I did, uh, got into compression because compression was just hard and fun. And uh, there's a very linear feedback in how well, good a job you're doing. You're just like, look at the number at the end. And then um, about that time was about uh, 89 and 90, uh, games started to come into PCs in a big way from Apple II, from 3D, and, and I mean from uh, uh, Atari and 64. Like all of a sudden the PC was where you could make money doing games. And that's where the hard stuff was. And every uh, like all the people I'm talking to on Bix went from talking about working on Turbo C or or, or Turbo Pascal or like all these people like uh, how do you make a really fast cosine in you know all that kind oh, of right, stuff right, we were right, all right. Or, the crazy, what's the very fastest yeah. way to write a mem copy on right, this right. thing and all this really esoterica was like geez all of a sudden all that skill set was necessary in a game in a way that like hey you fucking put a printf. In your game loop, you would see that like it, right, right. it'd be a, a reasonably big hit. So like everything mattered, and so all, I mean, people I knew worked at Borland went there. Like it was all of a sudden like games were you were starting your own company or you were doing games or you're doing game consulting, and then yeah, that's how I ended up getting into. So it was less of a choice of it was where the most challenging problems were at the time. It's and, kind of fascinating to me the part that you said earlier where like. People, like, I love the notion that computing was a bro thing at all, because that is so what? far from the thing at my, like, where I grew up, there was nobody who knew anything about computers at all. There was, like, me and, like, one other kid, maybe. Did you have a computer of, class? Oh, no. We had one computer that was in the side room of the math class that after school people would play with. So there were tons of computers everywhere. There was, when we were in grade school, they had tons of Apple II mm. computers. When we were in high school, there were a bunch of IBM PCs. Nobody knew anything about any of them. I see. So, like, the teachers who taught them would be, like, the, the, the reason that you had those computers in the computer lab, they would call it a computer lab, which is mm -hmm. a hilarious term, because if anything was not a lab, it was this room, <laughs> because no experimentation of any kind is occurring, right. nor is any research of any kind. Right. It is an educational classroom at best. Yes. Um, they would teach like Microsoft Word, right? It was more like a uh, computer skills class because at that point, remember this is later, yeah. right? So this is in the early yeah. 90s. Um, so uh, I guess like 91, 92, 93, somewhere in there, right? They're teaching people skills they think they'll need to know, like how to use Word perfect. Right. How to like, you know, save a file from DOS to a floppy drive right. because that's your boss told you to like do whatever, right? right? So None they of were that, that was on the table then. So it was the computers that. barely worked. Like we didn't right. this the, was before VisiCalc, right? The idea of like the, you know, sort of computer as a thing to like experiment with or learn about or any of those things was not yeah. like they didn't have any of that. None of the teachers knew anything about that. And Furthermore, what was interesting about it is there was an actively antagonistic relationship between me and those people because I would try to go into the computer thing to like program on them, whatever, and they would get angry about right. that. <laughs> and so uh, there were some amusing events that occurred uh, because, uh, of that. because of that. Like uh, one time we installed, uh, so I had like two friends, two or three friends, 
uh, who I hung out with who were interested in computers as well, right? Who were, uh, like, as much not liking the people who tried to keep us out of the computer lab <laughs> as I was. Um, first of all, like, one of them is totally... Like sort of the the is is a hacker mindset kind of a person like okay. or the deviant hacker mindset. <laughs> so he fucking installed a keylogger on the main system they use to log in and report grades and all that stuff, oh, and no. actually had all the fucking passwords. Nobody knew like the teachers didn't know about this at all, right? But he had all of them, and they were hilarious. Like I remember one of the teachers who uh, I think was a. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty awesome. His password was Lumedyne, L-U-M-E-D-Y-N-E. So it was the two units yeah. put together. I think like that. They're funny, like knowing the teacher's password stuff. But anyway, one of the things that <laughs> happened was we wrote this rap generation program, which was basically just a program that had like a dictionary of words. And the first one was actually the one that we had the most fun with, because like uh, later I tried doing things kind of before I really knew what I was doing with some of more generative stuff. So we did one later that tried to do more stuff with grammar generation, and those never really came out as good. The first one was just a program that would pick four words randomly. Okay. And they would be from basically the, like the first word slot, the second word slot, the third word slot, and the fourth right. word slot. So you could kind of tune which words were eligible for which slots, but that's it. There okay. was no attempt to try and make sure that they lined up. And that was part of the awesomeness of the program. So it was basically just a program for generating like sort of a rap bark, like something that mm -hmm. we imagine someone would say in the middle of a rap song that made no sense, right? So at some point, we figured out how to make a program in Windows that would just periodically pop up a dialog box. Oh, and so it would generate one of these and pop and it up. up. Right. And so we figured that we could just install this on all the computers in there. And that was like the best way that we ever ended up getting back at these people from keeping us out <laughs> of the computer lab. Rap. Yeah, they would just be in the middle of trying to do Word, and it would come up with some... And there was plenty of obscenities in this as well. So it would come up with, like, you know, yo, backwards fucking sheep, or whatever, and that would be it. And it would have a little microphone, and you did okay after it was over, right? But anyway, so, like, that w uh, nobody in the school at all knew anything about computers, and there was no cachet about it at mm -hmm. all. Certainly no guys in the school would be interested in, in it Well, I mean, you got to... At this point, PCs were this thing that people were getting for the home and not having any idea how to use them. I mean, people were buying Apple IIs with, with no, no software. With no plan. No, I, yeah. no plan. Yeah. Like, the, you'll do your finances. Yeah. Right? It's like, it, 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 it was really, really, really beginning time. So, so like, even, there was people, Even back in the old days, people bought Apple products without any idea what the fuck they would do. It's true. Yeah, I mean, you didn't... Uh, right from well, the they beginning. were also like, $2,500, too. They were so expensive. So, But Again, everyone thought you like had today. to have one for your kids to get ahead, right? Like, it was just this thing. Oh, certainly. So, like, certainly, at that point, I mean, and, and it, it definitely tailed off yeah. in, into high school as it became just like, yeah. there are computers, they're not something I'm really interested in. Yeah. Yeah, la da 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 Because, um, like, in, our, in our, our high school, we had one Apple II for the whole school, and we were a big school. But there were just not that oh, many yeah, that's people very, that did yeah. that. Um, we had we had tons of them. Um, so yeah, so so I I ended up in that you know backdoor way getting interested in it, and then yeah, and then it was it was like then there wasn't this uh, you were aware of Microsoft and Borland and a few of the software companies, 
Um, but it wasn't like now where there's the set of tech companies and you're evaluating all the best options from each one. It just wasn't like that. It's like uh, at, even at Microsoft, like they would not care about your degree. They're just like, what have you written? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Well, the interesting thing too is back then, Microsoft was the place where the hardcore programmers Yes, yeah. Which oh, is interesting. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because M- nowadays... Microsoft and Borland had... It, yeah. no, no hardcore programmers go to Microsoft. Yeah, it's yeah. literally... I mean, no mm-hmm. real programmers go to Microsoft, as far as I know. It's mostly just the kind yeah. of place that people go for a workaday job who, you know, weren't particularly good or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was, um, yeah. So, so yeah. So I don't know. So I think when you're 20, you're really not making, as as he's saying, like, why do you choose these things? They kind of choose you at first, and you're just yeah, because you're you're young. You don't know what yeah, the fuck's going yeah, on. Yeah, you're just lucky that yeah. you're hopefully lucky. The thing that chooses you is something that you have. Some and you're happy if for. anyone thinks you're good at something. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm happy that someone thought I was good at programming because you don't. You're not super in command of your own destiny yeah, there. Yeah. You're not like Mister Awesome, yeah. who can just go around doing whatever they want. So yeah. you're just like sweet, like. People seem to not know very much about this thing, and I know a lot about it. Right. So I can push in that way. Like, I can get further in that field, right? right? Then the but. second, I mean, the, the question in terms of him is, like, why would you choose that now over... I don't know. It's an interesting question. Like Turning it around to today, it, it's so different today than yeah. it was when, when we got into now. it. I mean, it's definitely this... It's, it's much... I'm imagining that I couldn't take a path anywhere like the one that I took before mm. um, because it's such a different landscape yeah, yeah. and it's so different in terms of getting hired. And I don't even know. You're starting with so yeah. much more pre-knowledge now. Yeah. So like, like in the old days, I remember, I remember how long it took me to figure out how to do like 3D projection and shit. Or like rotations and those sorts of things. Things today you can just go find yeah. a great tutorial and read in one day and just yeah. know. We're like huge, like monumental epic journeys, right, back then of personal discovery. And that's yeah. just not the way it works anymore. But it's anymore, also like you know? back then it was way easier to write what was considered a full game one person. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's comically simple, right. some of the games that sold like, well. This was a, this, a long project of six months, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. With I mean, one dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we would write games at Access that took six months and were 100% assembly, yeah. and but the entire executable was you know, 40K. Like, it's like ridiculous. It would be something, yeah. not even size, but in terms of complexity now that you could probably write in a game jam, right? Right, like, right, That would right. be yes. the game yes. um, that you'd ship. And so, so I mean, it, at least now there's a lot more work. I mean, now deciding what to do, I mean, if you're 25 years old, you're not doing math. So you're, that one's probably off the table. Oh, really? Well, I mean, you got to start so much earlier. The math is so hyper specific. He may be Russian. And you have to remember, Russians are often crazy good at math. Well, he could already have been doing a lot of math. I'm just saying, if you say, I'm going to start learning math at 25, okay. you're in a world of hurt. But yeah. um, if you're just saying, like... Just saying, you're thinking of Americans. Yeah. Americans can't Maybe. do math, no matter anyway. what age they are. That's a different thing. Though there's a separate thing there, which is like, okay, hey, uh, uh, you're smart. You know that you're good at programming. You've written some of your own stuff. And you're like, all right, I'm now going to decide between the places you're going to go work at. 
Now the game industry versus other stuff is an interesting question. I well, still think yeah, the d- hardest problems are in games, by far. Yeah. We have way harder Cause, stuff. Because it's because of the time pressure. Yeah. Almost every other industry doesn't have the kind of execution time pressure that we do. Well, we also just yeah. have things that are unclear if they're solvable still, which is an interesting thing. Um, but, but you also... The uh, the good part about it is like, hey, if you're a game designer, there's you can pretty much write everything that you need on one computer. It's not like Google where like, oh, hey, you want to go make your own thing. You don't have access to the data. You don't have access to the internet data store easily. So it's harder to go off and do that even though – It is true. When you you think that's kind of interesting, it's like as an individual Mm -hmm. sitting at home with your computer, if you want to write a video game – you have way better odds of success than if you want to write the next internet search engine. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you may get more funding with okay. the search engine. Like you may get more. It's but like, that's but a you lot don't have nonsense. the data store. You mm-hmm. don't have the parallel computing power. You know, you're yeah. unless you come up with some breakthrough that and, totally shatters the rules. Yeah. You're kind of in a position where it's hard for you to compete, right? And and just in terms of like what you can actually do to affect, like you could write a small two D game that exposes a new mechanic that like. Everybody just starts using. Right. Like, there's, it's be very difficult to do that in the other spaces. Even though probably uh, if you're an average programmer and you can get on at Google or Microsoft or one of these big companies, it'd be probably better for you. If you're good, then you have a harder that's, decision to make of like you know, security versus like... That's an interesting way to put it too. I suspect that probably is true is... If you suspect that you're only average, which is yeah. a bad thing to necessarily then, then say, try, yeah. but it is kind of true because you can kind of retire in place at a lot of mm-hmm. those companies. I've known people yeah, who've done yeah. it, certainly. And so like, you don't have to be great. Whereas in the game industry, the average programmer maybe gets treated kind of shitty. Yeah, well, you actually. could totally... You know what I mean? Totally they don't work treat in games well. forever being average. In fact, I think our, our the game developer average is quite a bit lower than those other places. The no, no, I mean... Average. But you get but, treated poorly. But you don't you make, make you a lot of money. You make a lot of yeah, money. Exactly. You will crunch all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. really then you're just doing it yeah. if you just love video games. Yeah. Maybe you get something out of it solely from that. But, um, but yeah, if you're... I mean... So if you're turn- really good, and you, if you're really good, then then in games at least you usually will be rewarded. You if you're le- tur- if you're a lead. Turning it uh, the question a little bit on its side, just in case this is what he was asking. There's another question, which is: Are games important compared to math, physics, or science? Right? Because you could yeah. look at it the other way, which is like not rather why did you choose games? Because the yeah. reason I chose games is not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of the mm-hmm. day, it wasn't like I sat yeah. down and had this really great reason for it. You well, know what I mean? But you could look at it the other way, which is like, should you choose games? In the abstract sense, if, if let's say, and I think it's very unlikely that I ever would have contributed anything to mathematics, but let's say that for some reason we suspect that I could have. I could have done something mathematically mm-hmm. relevant. I'm really good at the Poincaré conjecture or something. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to fucking read that equation, but let's say that I could. Okay. Right, or something like that. Um... Is there stuff inherently better or worse? Yes. Should that? I have gone and done that, or is is right? So like, I if had, I could have. So let's I, say, in the fact that let's turn, let's just say, let's say it's him because yeah. we can predict anything we want on him, so we don't have to worry about the fact that I'm pretty sure I couldn't have done anything in yeah. math. Let's say he could do something in math and he could do something in games. What what does the trade off look like there? Okay. So here's what I would say about that because mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with Checker a bunch of times. I think that is a question at completely wrong premises because when you start all right uh there is no such thing 
as things being better or worse in principle. Like, if your math goes on to be the thing that makes the death gel to be really easy to produce from petroleum, <laughs> then the pureness of math right, is right. that... It's not a defense. And, 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 yeah. and in Chris's case, where he's like, it's important to be working on games because it is the next art form, and I agree with him that it is the next art form. I don't think that has any relevance to what you do because when you decide to do something or not do it, there is no way ahead of time, even if you're awesome, right. to say you know how you're important you're going to do. Effect. Yeah, and and, um, and and so to imagine it, it feels very um, egotistical to me to make a decision based on that kind of decision. What that's, you that's should do. That's a very do, interesting way to put it. I like what that. You, it, it's just instead turn the question around and say, what are you good at? Because it's going to take a while for you not to suck. Even if you have incredible intuition and, 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 and uh, naturally good at something, it's going to take you a long time before you're even as good as the mediocre people. And then it's going to take another long time before you're an expert. Like it's going to be 10, 7 years before you're really uh, effective as a person in a thing. So you got to decide what the thing that makes you happy because if you spend 10 years doing something that you have somehow said that the sacrifice I'm giving myself is right, right. worth it because right. I've arbitrarily at age 20 right, decided right. this yeah, is yeah, more yeah. important than this, yeah. you're going to be a miserable fuck and you may have made the wrong decision and now you right. have to start that whole – you've right. wasted a decade. So it's more like you need to just find out what you do, what you have uh, – and it kind of sucks because there may be something that you like to do more that you don't necessarily have the uh, quite as good at, at as some of the other things. But generally what you want to find is something that you can do well and become good at because you're going to get some satisfaction of that no matter what. Like once you're very good at something, you can make positive Im impacts on that hopefully um, just by being good at it. But generally making a decision based on like how good it is for the world is almost always – a non-decision. It's a way for you to make a decision, rationalize a decision, or a non-decision. Like, oh, I don't really want to go do this because it's bad. And like, you should just like whatever you have the aptitude for, go do it and go do it well. Because anything else is like, who knows how good in games are going to be? Like, well, there's so many bad things. Who knows how good I, bad? I think, yeah. I think that's just, actually a pretty good way to to summarize it. I would add. For a second perspective, which is maybe not really, I think that's probably a great answer. Is I guess what I would yeah. say. But as a second as a second type of answer to the problem, I would also point out the fact that while I agree that math, physics, and science are great mm -hmm. and very important to humanity, mm -hmm. one thing that does seem to kind of be overridingly the case these days is our progress in math and science has far outstripped our society's ability to function well <laughs> in some sense. Right, okay. So comparing games to math, science, and physics, sort of, even if you're going to put aside what you said, sort of presupposes that advances in math and science are going to be all that valuable to right. us over the next 50 years, when really what I suspect is true is that if there is going to be a lot of positive change in humanity over the next 50 years, it's not going to be because we learned how to do physical things better, which is what math and physics and science is going to let us do, but rather because we learned better ways to cooperate to do them. 
or okay. to know or to select which ones to do, right? Because right now, if you probably looked at how effective the world is at using its actual knowledge to go towards mm-hmm. a better future, I would say most of the problem is not that we don't know how to get to the better future. It's that we aren't trying to get to that better future, <laughs> right? We right. are more concerned with shooting drone missiles at each other or like you attacked our shit, so we're going to attack your shit kinds of old 4,000-year-old thinking. Mm-hmm. And so one plug that I usually put in for not specifically games, but just media in general and working in media, which seems like a frilly throwaway thing to do, mm-hmm. is that the realm of public opinion and popular media is ironically, perhaps, where a lot of the determination of how society goes will actually happen. What people's steady diet of what they are told and assume is true and the stories that they learn at an early age and all that shit, of which games are now an integral part. Every, people play on the, these iPads since they're two years old mm-hmm. looking on that thing, right? The stuff your media tells you about how, to, how you view the world, how you approach it, may have a much bigger effect on the short-term future of humanity than us learning more about math, science, and really anything hard, like, you know, what you want to call it, like the hard sciences or Mm -hmm. the hard truth about reality may be a lot less important than the soft. Now, there's been other times in history when man was so unknowing about actually what they could potentially do that you may have said that that was trade-off mm-hmm. wasn't there. But I think nowadays we really are at the point where we're kind of far ahead on the what we could be doing right. versus what we decide, how we actually yeah. decide to, to behave ourselves. And so games, I think, aren't necessarily behind in terms of what their value may be. Mm-hmm. Now, I tend to agree with you that I'm not sure people will know ahead of time whether they will be a positive or negative influence on games by getting into it. Mm-hmm. You know? Or on society even. One, or one, on society one, one level separate, up. Yeah. But if for some reason you feel that it is important to first determine whether the field you get into can have that effect, I think there's actually no question right now that at least we could say the jury is out. Mm-hmm. At least we could say the jury is out on whether a big contribution to math or a big contribution to games would be more important just because math is so far ahead yeah. of public it's like societal machinations, basically, mm-hmm. that media, which largely dominates the way the world works now because of how it inculcates people and how it causes them to behave and how it causes them to view the world, may actually be the linchpin right. for, our, for this century, yeah. right? And then after that, if for some reason we get our shit together, then all of a sudden the focus definitely swings back. Right. If we're like this well-oiled machine of making great decisions, <laughs> then... You know, if, if we right. get to that point, which maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe humanity suddenly, who knows, right? You never know. Crazier things have happened. Mm-hmm. If you get to that point, then all of a sudden the focus does shift back. Then it's like, so well, saying, now we're only as good as our tools, so we better get back to our tools. So if right? we solve the energy problem, we're like, we got free energy now. We're just going to turn that into really big tanks. Like, it'd be, it'd be, well, it'd be bad news. No, have- but you already kind of know what happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we live in a society right now where largely things are structured to make sure that advances like free energy 
are heavily restricted to make sure that all the people who currently make money still make a lot of yeah. money. So we wouldn't get free energy. Well, I'm not We'd sure. get the people with free energy running them as corporations to well, make sure that say, not too I much energy is given out at I, cheap I, prices or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. right? I know I mean, I, it would definitely be like the free energy patent would prevent free energy to be free. Right, okay, but, that's true for 20 but, years, certainly. Yeah. Right, but... Yeah, uh, but, and, and yeah. I guess just to be clear, what I'm saying is not speculation. We know it to be true. Yeah. The airwaves are free. Yeah. We parceled them out for money. We know what happens when there is something free. It does not end up going yeah. to people for free. So we're not at the point where we're hurting for ability. We're at the point where we're hurting for structure. Like we just don't have the way to act on what we actually know what That's we can do. Right? Uh, so, so yeah. And I mean, I don't know. That's what yeah. I would say about that. So that was question... One of four. Okay. Oof. So buckle up, Jeff. Wait, that was two, right? No. That was one. Okay, what's two? So question two is, they kind of has some commentary in addition to it. So I think maybe what I'll do is I'll just read the question first and we can talk about it a little bit and then I'll read the commentary and we can talk about that. Okay. So question two is, why do you say that you're a bad designer? Well, this is him talking to you. This is him. Well, it was oh, a personal email. Been like, right, okay. Email. And this is because you... Probably that article that came out on... Yes, I did do... I'm I'm assuming he must have read that interview because I don't know where else I may... Maybe I've talked about it. Okay. But, or I don't know, we we might have said that on the podcast at some point. But there was an article that came out, um, actually, uh, speaking of me not knowing how to pronounce people's names, Hamish Todd, whose name I don't know how to pronounce, Mm -hmm. um, even though I've talked to him in person... Well, not in person, but on the, like, over voice. Um, He did an interview uh, which... We talked about like what I ended up, why I ended up deciding not to ship Sushi Bar Samurai and so on, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that in there, I definitely talk about feeling like I was a bad designer. Yeah, okay. Maybe more yep. at length. Um, and this probably okay. He does so really, said- he does really good interviews, by the way. Like I wish, oh. I kind of wish he had a better site or something. Like I would like to kind of just know when he does interviews. Oh, I see. And you know, Twitter is bad at that because yeah. it's just a stream of stuff, and you may miss. That, but you like, but all get someone's interviews? like, check out this fart video or whatever, because that's just how it's, you know, it's right. not sorted by like how important this person's post was to them. You can't right. tag it like this is me chatting versus hey, this is something I really right, want right, you right. to see, right? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, he's asking why I say I'm a bad designer, and I mean, I feel like the reason for that may be a little subtle, but it largely comes from just experience as a programmer because I don't think I'm a bad programmer mm-hmm. and I think other people are bad programmers. Mm-hmm. So I think I have seen good and bad programming in my life. Mm-hmm. I also know when I am like, I can also uh, do code that I know is bad, right? Like, Oh, I did this bad, but I had reasons for why it was mm-hmm. bad. Cause it was quick or it wasn't supposed to last or whatever the fuck. Right. So I, from programming, have a pretty wide breadth of experience. I know when I've written good code, I think. I know mm-hmm. when I've written bad code. I know reasons for it. I can discuss mm-hmm. that. And I can look at other people's code and see whether I think that was bad or good or whether I think there was probably a reason for it. All mm-hmm. of that stuff. And so I try to apply that same reasoning to something that I don't know as well, which is design, because I have not been a game designer for mm-hmm. 30 years. I have been a programmer for three decades. Mm-hmm. But I have not been a designer for hardly any time at all. Like I've designed, I did maybe, I mean, if you look count sushi, right? I did a ton of game development there, and I don't know how many months I spent in design. Let's say six mm-hmm. out of the time, which is maybe being generous. So that's such a small fraction. Mm-hmm. 
So the thing that I think really lets me know that I'm a bad designer is that a lot of what differentiates a smart, bad programmer from a good programmer, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a dumb person, right? <laughs> I mean, there could be stupid people, and they're not going to be good at anything. So let's just <laughs> right. put it aside. But there are smart people who are very bad at programming. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and what differentiates that person, uh, meaning we're strictly looking at whether they are good at programming, not mm-hmm. whether they are a capable person, is a lot about what they're actually functionally doing when they sit down at a computer to move code from a state of it not doing something to doing something. Okay. Right? It's like, I have some code that is not accomplishing some objectives, or I have no code at all, and I need to get to some code that accomplishes some objectives, right? And one of the interesting things is looking at that actual process and whether or not that process is occurring, right? And I know pretty well from my experience as a programmer when I am doing that thing. And I know when I'm doing that thing well. I'm like, okay, we're making forward progress. This code Mm -hmm. is getting better. I can see what's going on here. Sometimes I catch myself going and doing things that are not good. I'm like, that is not a behavior that you're doing right now that leads to better code. I see it happening. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I stop that, right? (laughs) And all of that stuff I feel like applies to design as well. Okay. I have never... I don't know if that part is necessarily true, but... That's how I view it. Yeah. I have never actually had a time when I thought I was evincing a good daily behavior that makes good game design. Interesting. Okay. I do not right now know what the activity actually physically is where I spend eight hours today taking a game... From a worse state to a better state. Yeah. I agree with that. But I, I don't think that makes you bad at it, personally. Well, I know that makes me bad no, at it. No, I don't think that's true. That is, I think that, I, I right. mean, I'm, the, part of this is totally uh, iffy because I don't consider myself a game designer. But I, do, I feel sure. like design is not necessarily linear in that way. It's more inspirational and luck and a lot of stuff factors into it. Even with people uh, who do it for a living, it's very, it's not a linear thing for them. It's like one day there's like, oh, there's a breakthrough. And like they. But that's the same with code. I mean, you go up against problems in code, and then all of a sudden, six months later, you're in the shower and you realize, oh, I could make this whole other leap, right? Yeah, totally. So that stuff is true, but that doesn't change the fact that there was a daily process that. Allows those things to happen. It's not like you're sucking true. ass it's every like day, and then there's the one day that's good. That no, is not how code happens for me, anyway. Yeah. No, no, I don't think it is. I just think design's a little bit m- more fuzzy than that. And I think a lot of it. I think there are some people who are just good at it, but I think also if you talk to them about it, it's very fuzzy how it works for them. It's not. It's well, to not, be clear, I think most game designers are fucking terrible. Yeah. Well. Like yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Like I could count on my hands the people I think are good at designing. Yep. So I'm not saying that I'm a bad designer versus the average. Yeah. I'm saying I'm a bad designer versus how good I think you should be before you actually feel like you need to design games because I could just be programming instead. Yeah, I don't right? know. I feel like it's just it would be the thing that you just. I mean, certainly I felt like sushi kept getting better the whole time I played it. In fact, the last one I you know I really like. Like, uh, so 
I do feel like that. I think that the part of you that makes it hard for being a designer is partly what we touched on of like you want the two year like time span to get something right. out of that which uh, that and the fact that you're quite a fast programmer so the normal thing where somebody like feeling and and I've worked on six games six Six games. You've worked because before games. Rad, you worked mm-hmm. on a lot of games, real real games. And there is always just this <clears throat> that you do. There's definitely times in the game it, it, in that development cycle where you're like, oh, this blows. But what gets you through those dark days is the fact that there's no fucking way you can start over on a new one because you're like, I can't. There's just too much code here. You are fast enough. I know that about <laughs> you. That you don't have that part of you that goes. Oh, I'm not going to start over. That would be too fucking hard. You'd okay. just be like, all right, okay, I, would, I know what I'm doing now. And you shake just go off. again. You shake it off and go again. So you don't have that part of that is like the part where it's just like, it gets you through the times when you have uh, doubts, basically, because they're all the way through that. And, and yeah. And also, you don't want to ship a bad game. You're like, I'd rather not ship something than ship something shitty, which, like, hey, of those six games, I would say two were very bad and another two were mediocre, right? So, so Wait, that leaves two. Yeah. I think there were two... That, that, there, there were games that I worked on that I liked. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily want to list them because okay. uh, uh, the people that would now profit from those games, I necessarily don't want them to. But... <laughs> putting it dicely. Okay. Um, but... Uh, okay. uh, but yeah, so I think I think uh, uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's hard. I also think that while you're learning to do something, it's very hard to at the same time judge your efforts in doing so. But, well, so yeah, let me move on so to the second a- part of this question because that dovetails nicely with it, which is, he says Jonathan Blow seems to be a technically minded person, and he trained himself to think about design. Mm-hmm. I'm asking because being a programmer. Well, actually, you know what? Let me stop right there, and we'll answer that part. Okay. I think so, that's kind of interesting because I like when people give us stuff not knowing that, like, John is our best friend or something. He might. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't maybe know. Maybe he knows, he but know. the way he yeah. said it is yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's funny. Well, uh, so what I would say about that is I actually – so underlying all of that, when I say I'm a bad designer, I don't mean to say that I don't feel like I could ever learn to be a good designer. Mm-hmm. I'm simply stating what I believe to be true about the present you. scenario, yeah. right? Okay. In other words – Right now, I am a bad designer. Yes, I could probably train myself to be a good designer, but if we're being realistic, how much training do you think that will take, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you look at how long it took to become a good programmer, it's many, many years, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, like maybe it won't take that many to become a good designer, but is that perhaps being a little arrogant or presumptuous to think that for some reason you're just going to spend six months or a year getting better at design. So, you know, I'm not that young. I can't spend 30 <laughs> years becoming a good game designer right. because I'll be dead before I get a chance to actually design anything else. Or in an old folks home. Right. 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 Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So at some level you have to kind of be realistic about that. And I think one of the things you could do is like I'm just going to ship shitty games for a long time. Right, and or that's you, totally fine. And I don't begrudge anyone that ability. I just don't know that that's something I want to do. Right. Well, or right. the other thing is, you are try- you so. make games that push 
uh, other things, other things than right. the game design, like, which oh, I it's could a very totally do. Thing and right? it's beautiful, and which I might do, right? Like I would mm-hmm. totally consider doing that, which is going like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to ship games like Sushi Bar Samurai that are just all about art. And the game blows. So I'm just telling you that up front, <laughs> right. right? Because guess what? There's a whole family of games where the game blows, but the art is good. They're called graphic adventures, right? Mm-hmm. We have an entire genre yeah. intentionally designed to shit out games that are gorgeous or have good stories, but have absolutely that terrible gameplay, terrible. right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Some people like that, right? And it gives an opportunity for people who want to work on that part of the craft to focus on mm-hmm. that. And you don't have to worry about whether the game is yep. any fun because they're in the game. Yep. Right? That's definitely true. So, uh, you know, that's what I could say. Right. So, going back to the John Blow thing, one thing that's also true about Jonathan Blow that I think people forget, mm-hmm. or maybe they just don't know. I mean, yep. I know him pretty well at this point, I guess. Uh, is one thing about John that people don't understand is that he also really does, I think, love games at a pretty deep level. Mm -hmm. A level that a lot of people, I think, don't... You know, they they see comments by him about, you know, criticizing something. Mm -hmm. And they think that that means that he's, like, super removed from the reality of games. Like, Ivory Tower. He literally plays every game, as far as I can tell. I guarantee you that every person... Who said, you know, said that Jonathan Blow was like out of touch with whatever or anything that has not played as many levels of Candy Crush Saga as John has played. Like he really does love games, even games that suck objectively and that he doesn't even like. He will play through and look at and in his, you know, and at some level, I think that has a lot to do too with him being a good game designer. Is he will he will appreciate things in his own designs and whatever. Mm-hmm. He can see before the game becomes objectively good. And it's kind of sucky, but there's some good yeah. stuff. He can see that, and he can believe in that, mm-hmm. and know, and know I think that's a that big part true. of it. I think that's a big part of it, is he's able to yeah. really be comfortable with something being weird and not very fun yeah. for a while, because it yeah. takes a long time to get something yeah. done. And so I think a lot of that sort of bad public the public perception that he is largely cerebral about those things i think belies the fact that i think he actually has a lot more passion for games than the people who criticize him for being cold (laughs) it's i think the inverse is actually the the truth yeah yeah and i think that's well i think there's i don't think i have that i don't think i have i don't i think saying that jonathan blow learned to do it as if I could learn to do that is a different thing than he just thing. has more love. It's not for the that same thing. thing. Yeah, that's those aren't the same there. That's possible, right? You do um, have the thing in common, which is another thing that people don't know very much about John, and that is he's a world class programmer, and not in the sense like game designer, like. But that's true of any good programmers out there, right? But in the indie space, uh, like it is unusual. In the indie space, it's kind of. It's yeah. unusual, like, John okay. could go to work at Rad, he'd go yes, to work at yeah. Google, he did consulting yeah. for IBM, like, right. yeah. he's world-class tech. Yes. And he doesn't seem, because he rarely talks about tech. He's That's not, right. like, the tech guy of, like, let's talk about lighting. But, like, right. he is that. Like, yeah. um, uh, 
uh, I mean, he'd slot right into Rad just working on some tech project that has nothing to do with game design at all. And that's fairly unusual yeah. in the indie space because the indie space is usually about expression and some other stuff that's not necessarily necessary. There are some tech indie games, but in general, they're not that way. Yeah. So he, 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 you do guy, you do both have that in common, and that you think about things fairly analytically. So it might be something that you picked up. But I agree that John has a love of the form that yes. is not. I have, even though I've been in games longer than him. Yes. I never had. Yeah. Like I feel like I, I, have, I feel like I have, is, I've, yes. I've, I've had game moments like those moments where you're like, oh, this is. Yeah. You can see something from here yeah. that gets you there, but uh, my. Yeah. Most fun times are not usually playing games. I think, I think that is a, yeah. I would say if there's one giant misconception about him that seems to float around there, yeah. that it's 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 a lack of appreciation for that fact. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like if you know him, you kind of know that yeah. part is that like he really does love this stuff mm-hmm. in a way that very few people do. Yeah. And I think that that it is unsurprising, therefore. That he ends up being so good at game design because it's like kind of mm. coming from the heart in that way that you think of other great artists doing something. It's not always just about whether they had the mental yeah. capacity to do it. It's also about whether they really loved it yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah. And so I don't know. Yep. There's that. Yep. So I'm just throwing yep. that out there. Yep. John might totally disagree. Probably will just totally disagree. Yep. But that's 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 how I would look at it. Anyway, to finish off the question, he says, I'm asking because a programmer in game dev seems like missing the point. I think he means like, you know, being a programmer in games is not where you want to be, maybe, Mm. sort of. I like Firaxis' approach when designers have to know how to implement ideas but have no hardcore programming experience. So he's basically saying he agrees that programming is important for design, it sounds like. He's not Mm -hmm. saying like design is this different thing. So I guess maybe he gets the fact that you need to be a programmer to be a good designer because they're so, Mm -hmm. you know, coupled maybe. But he doesn't think that doing the actual programming work is necessarily maybe the important part. Kind of, I mean, I'm putting words in his mouth here, but I'm just trying to parse out Mm -hmm. as best I can what the specific question was. Yeah. My reaction to that at first is to kind of say, well, I think that is probably simplifying it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, games today are much too hard to make. Mm-hmm. Even with sim- like, even if you're talking about, like, I went and got Unity or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like, in general, there's a lot of very hard technical work ahead of us mm-hmm. before we've really reached the place where game production is like film production is now. Mm-hmm. And yep. film production now is even harder than it should be. Yep. So, but they are light years ahead of us mm-hmm. in terms of the ability for someone who just has an idea about a game to start to get to work on it. Yeah. Games are still in their infancy in terms of tools. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like suggesting that somehow design is the most important thing now kind of is glossing over the fact that some people who are really hardcore about dev still have to come over the next yeah. 50 years and get this tool shit done, right. like for reals. Mm-hmm. And it's been a kind of a, a constant ongoing mm-hmm. struggle in that sense. And we're getting further all the time, but there's so much more left to go. Yeah. And I think enabling designers with that tech is something that we will see. I think if you look at today and then you look at where we are in 50 years, you will be like, holy shit, I didn't realize there was so far to go yeah. because I just couldn't see it. But it's but that's what we will be. I still think that there is an amazing amount of, let's not say programming, but <clears throat> algorithmic thinking that goes that has to go into design regardless of how the tools are. That, that's kind of a separate. Yeah, and, and separate. I don't think, I think that 
it is critically important for designers to be programmers. And like it, despite the fact that some of those exist, without that is, I feel like that's because our games are pretty simple in terms of their designs yeah. right now. And that's not where we want to be. We want to be a place where the interaction of the game is so complicated that not being a programmer to think about these things is going to be hopeless. It would be like trying to do a complicated programming thing and knowing nothing about how the assembly works. Like, yes, you don't write an assembly for the most part nowadays when you're a programmer, but not knowing it is such a huge disadvantage when things go wrong. The systems are going to get to the point where not being an algorithmic thinker, not knowing how states are transitioned from and all that is going to be impossible to do that. So the only reason I think that there are designers right now who aren't programmers is just simply because our designs are super simplistic. And in fact, in most of those designs where people are saying that, like I would not even necessarily call them designers as like spreadsheet manipulators. Yeah. Like in some sense, you might, I mean, to be overly, perhaps overly dismissive, but perhaps accurate, I don't know. Designing without programming is kind of like going back to the times when you could, you know, write stories without being able to write or yeah. read. Like being relatively illiterate, but you were a storyteller like mm -hmm. like a bard or something. Mm -hmm. There were still certainly probably great stories spun this way. Mm -hmm. But in terms of where the craft went, once people could write and refine the thing, right. they just annihilated the like word of mouth people because the things got so much more richer and intricate and interesting that once that's where you're at, it's pretty hard to ever go back and seriously consider the old the way. Yeah. And I think that's probably true of what will happen in games to some degree, is that right now we're at the point where we really haven't gotten to that kind of richness, perhaps, mm -hmm. in most designs. I mean, sometimes we see little glimmers of it, yeah, right? Yeah. But we're not at the point now where it's just you can't go back. Yeah. But I think we, we, it may be true. It may be the point where not being able to do reasonable programming is kind of like being yeah. illiterate yeah. in terms of your writing. I would right? also say that not being having the concepts of what programming is is a huge disadvantage in life nowadays anyway <laughs> it's like well that's it, true that's, but that's a, a separate, a separate issue yeah. of like it is just important now now whether it's important enough that should be like up there with reading and writing it's obviously not there but it's certainly like thinking about things rationally and algorithmically is is important in a lot of places but in design i think it's huge and I feel like the design, and certainly and there's certainly designers, certainly, other, yeah. and, and, and there are designers who are amazing designers who don't know programming. I just think those are the weird, I know programmers who program completely intuitively, who literally don't know how their <laughs> shit works, and somehow well, it does. But again, and I think there are designers like that too, who not, who just yeah. <clears throat> mold things into a way, but it is. Well, to continue the analogy, I guess, I think you will, you, we still have great <laughs> spoken word people. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it's. I think it kind of. It's like it's not that there will ever come a time when there will not be any great designers who can't program. Yeah. There will always be some, but the standard state of the craft and the majority of the great people at a time, I think, will end yeah. up being programmers. But there will always be the people who just, you know, it's like they had the different thing, yeah. and like that's how it was, right. and it'll just. That'll never go away, I don't yeah. think. But it won't be the common case. Whereas right now, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Like right now, I think it's kind of a six to one, half dozen of the other. Right? Yeah. yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I don't know. It is, it is, 
It is just it's weird for me. Even to think now, about though, increasingly designers of, have to script. Like yeah. even now, it's really rare for there to be designers who have no concept of programming whatsoever. That's yeah. that's even now. And it's I say rare. if you're a good programmer, that's only going to help you more. But I mean, I just yeah. The thing that makes a game a game is the fact that it's interactive, and anything that's interactive is algorithmic by its definition. So you're going to have to understand those yeah. concepts. You might not have to write a quick sort, but you might you definitely have to understand how this works, especially yeah. once it gets to a point where you can. Shit gets complicated, and being able to keep it in your head's a big deal. And that's if true. you don't understand those interactions at a, a, a very fundamental way, it's going to spiral out and pretty soon you're the designer on the team who keeps making things that somebody else has to go to. It's fixed, yeah. yeah so. Well, uh, so we still have two questions to go. Okay. I, I, we're still got the red light. I'm a little nervous. We'll keep going. We're right. Number three, do you have any specific book that changed the way you think about your goals in life? What life-changing books can you advise me to read? Mm, that's interesting. So the interesting thing about it is actually the first one, because <clears throat> I could recommend books, but I don't know if I can recommend books that would, would inform your goals for life. I, I don't think I've yeah. ever read a book that was like, this is changing. So, so I'll say, I can, I can say one thing, which is not really a book recommendation, but there is a lecture uh, by, oh man, this is really digging into the memory, so I'm going to probably get the name wrong. So there was a, uh, there was a book series that was like Silver on the Tree, Green Witch. It was like this sort of children's fantasy novel series about finding these objects. I don't, I don't even remember. I mean, I read them when I was really little, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, her name was Susan Cooper, maybe? Okay. I don't remember who the exact author. So I'll try to find it, and maybe we can put it in the comments field uh, of, the, of the YouTube, or the description, mm -hmm. rather. She did a lecture that was talking kind of about the importance of children's <clears throat> literature that I will say totally changed my perspective on why media is important. Mm, okay. Because prior to hearing that lecture, I probably would have—I probably would not have said what I said about games earlier, where I was mm -hmm. like, "It may be one of the things that really defines how society goes." I may not have said that. Okay. But she <clears throat> has a lecture where she talks about that importance, and she kind of goes through a number of pretty good examples in life of why she believes this to be true, and it's very compelling. Mm. It is unfortunately, if I remember correctly, prefaced with some of the worst introductory material by some <laughs> other speaker. It's like, it's a classic thing of like, you went to see the band and the opening band blew. Like, it was that for sure. Okay. But like, man, skip to the part where she starts talking and it's pretty it's amazing. Awesome. Um, and that I could say, if I had to think about like goal, like if there is something that ends up making me go do other game stuff because I believe in games or something mm -hmm. like that, it's going to be that. Like, that is a thing that will actually say, like, no, no, I believe this is important. If I ever, if I ever decide that it's important for me to be working on this stuff or yeah. whatever, 
it's because of her lecture. There's oh, okay. really no question about that. And so I'll try to post a link to that one. But I've, I can't think of a book. Okay. Well, I'll say one small thing that isn't a book either, which is, and this feeds into the thing that I don't think this is a little important, and somewhat of the questions as they've been phrased to me, when you know, someone would come to me and start asking me these questions, I think I'd turn around them a little bit. And I feel like what it sounds like is a person who is thinking more about what to do than just doing something. And so there's a great... Uh, it's a very short letter that Vonnegut wrote. Someone wrote into... Kurt wrote, Vonnegut, yeah. Jr.? Mm-hmm. Wrote a letter to him, a class did, and said, oh. you come visit us. And he said, listen, I'm 84. I'm not coming there. But I can give you some advice. You know what? That sounds like what, so, what would happen if someone wrote a letter yeah. to you. Like, like, I'm not coming down. Yeah, and I'm not coming there. Are you kidding me? So he says, okay, so listen, here's the thing. Just, here's my assignment. Just do something. I don't care what it is. Draw a picture. Just, just do something. Do anything. In fact, here's a specific assignment. I want you to go home. I want you to each to write a poem. I want you to spend some time on it. Spend a good two hours. Make it rhyme. Make it perfect. Make it exactly right so you're proud of it. Do not tell anybody. Do not read it to anybody while you're doing it. Just get it perfectly always. Just exactly how you want it. Then rip the poem up when you're done. And you'll find that you'll be a better person having done that even though the poem doesn't exist anymore. So I would say... So what it's it like reads, mandala advice, I, so what's it, this, What it sounds like to me, this he's a smart person who's thinking a lot about all these things he could do. He should just start doing them. If you're like... It, you, you will find your way and you will be a better person in have done that just by starting something. Write a story. If you're mathematically minded, write a song. Like, like there's all these things that like it seems like you don't have to be right right now. You're fucking 25. Anything you do is going to be fucking stupid. We already have talked about on the podcast. You don't have that sex yet. So like yeah. uh, you're 25. You don't know a lot of stuff. It doesn't matter. Just start doing stuff because all of it's going to suck for a long time. And it's okay. But you'll be better for having done it. It's better to have done, to have done failed at something and moved on. So that's what I'd say. So, okay. And then it, 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 but it is a pretty good story. And as a bonus, all of his stories are amazing. So you okay. can read any of the... I think I've only ever read Slaughterhouse-Five. Because it was assigned in school reading. I've never read anything else by <laughs> I don't. I remember not liking it. <laughs> Yo, interesting. Okay. Not that I necessarily think he's a bad author. Yeah. I just don't remember liking it. He has a I lot of meta stuff that's really cool. I may have been too young. Across too, the books. You know? Too. Like, he okay. has things that... Yeah. He's one of those people who was aware of his writing while he was writing. So, like, he appears in his books and, like, okay. characters from other... You like, like his stuff I'm taking in. Yeah, I, I feel like it's satisfying. Like, the stories I always feel like are fun to read, but then there's this other weird second-level stuff that's... Yeah. Uh, when you think about it, it's like, oh, that's really been happening over 40 years is cool. Yeah. So the final question, which is actually the hardest question of the four. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your life philosophy in general terms, parentheses, e.g. positivist, question mark? That's just an example. I I guess I don't know enough philosophy to say, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the best way to put it is. Um, We'd have to almost look up to know what all of them are. Well, he doesn't ask you for a term. He just says, in general terms. So could you describe it to somebody? If you had to describe it to somebody in a paragraph, like just sort of how do you see the world, right? Yeah. What would you say? I just think uh, most things in the world are broken. 
Yeah. And so if you're the kind of person that can fix stuff, just get around, just start just fixing, just start doing that because it, it, no one, one person's going to fix it all. So it's like pick little things. It doesn't have to be, and, and in general, if the thing you picked, you really fix it as a side thing, you'll be fucking rich because you don't have to fix a big problem to <laughs> become true. rich. That's true. Not anymore, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just like fix something, do it the right way, yes. spend a long time on it. It might be a stupid little problem, but if you really, really fix it, you, you'll be pretty. But it's very practical, I would say, my, my experience is. I don't, let, I don't usually think about it. And maybe try to, like try to fix it before banks bring the entire world economy yes. down and you can't get any money or food anywhere. I would say this. But yes. Every time I think about myself in the past, okay. I think out looking back on past was. You always think you're stupid in the past. So at any point, it means me thinking ahead of time to try to make a plan was a is, bad idea. Is a bad idea. <laughs> because it was wrong. Okay. I have no experience okay. where I go, God damn it, did I call that right? So it's just keep your head down and do stuff. I would kind of Fight agree. I would, I would kind of agree with that philosophy to some degree. I guess w what I would say about my philosophy in general is I tend to think of things largely in terms of like generation and selection systems. Okay, that is almost how I view almost everything. Like I, I'm a, <laughs> I, I would say Darwin was probably pretty on target. Okay, right? like I think of basically everything in the world as generating, like generating entropy. And then systems that sit on top of that to select out of the entropy things that will persist. Okay. Right. All right. You know, that's that's uh -huh. like how I just think about stuff. Okay. So in some sense, I kind of feel like your job as an entity functioning in the system is to generate shit that can be selected from later. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So largely, like that that is almost all I, the only goal I have for myself is to try and produce things that I think are going to be roughly, like, I almost think about, like, human brains as little things that are designed to go through a lot of possibilities quickly without actually having to realize them to see that they don't work. <laughs> right. So they're okay. kind of like mini selection mm -hmm. machines that prune a bunch of random options down to a few to try, you know? That's, mm -hmm. like, what you're doing. Because the world is doing the selection all the time for everything that actually exists. Mm -hmm. But the question is, what are the things that are going to exist for it to select from? And your little brain is in there pre-culling that set. You're almost okay. like a, you're like a first a quick pass filter over the possible things you could be doing in your life that will then get shot out into the general selection mechanism, right? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure, okay. So in some sense, it's like, yeah, if you think you can explore an area and you can do some good jobs producing the, the, the right stuff in that area, you should be doing that thing. That's pretty valuable. Yep. Because I think life does do a relatively good job, as good as could be expected, of like, if you shit it out, it will pick it if it mm -hmm. actually was a good area that needed exploration and, and you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively happy with that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. But I don't really know, you know, I mean, I don't have much of a philosophy yeah. beyond that. Yeah. I'm pretty critical mostly of things because I see them as being counterproductive to that goal, yeah. as though I don't state it that way usually. A lot of things that I criticize is like, why aren't we all doing that thing, you know, yeah. a lot of times. Well, um, I think also the big difference, I mean, we spend a lot of time making fun and, work and, and whatever, but that's not... We make our living just by putting our heads down and working on the shitty shit that just needs to be done. Because so much yeah. is just work. 
So, so I don't know if I would call myself necessarily uh, a pessimist or, or gross, or like any of those kind of things. Just, I mean, that's for the purposes of being love of of uh, spewing forth on a microphone. That's easier. But for the most part, our jobs are just simply sitting down and working on it. And so, like, well, a lot of these questions seems like he's like worried that he's going to make the wrong decision at age twenty five that'll affect him. And it's like, yes, you are. You are so gonna make every wrong he decision might not, right now. For all we so know, is he absolutely doesn't. He's just curious no. because we're such an oddity in like a zoo cage yeah, that it, he's just fascinated. He could, he could be, be like, he could be. I want to know I'm what the saying, hell these guys if, are thinking. If, if it was literally a a twenty five year old right. came in my office and asked these questions, right. I'd say the big problem I think uh, not, not problem, but I mean the big thing I see here is I see that, that you're a little bit unsure of what to do it doesn't fucking matter it's all good like you just got to do something and like in you'll do it you'll hate it you'll do something else and like after 10 times you know i don't know again we'd have to go look up famous philosophers i don't like philosophy at all i I I strongly dislike philosophy i used to but i just don't have i would point out the fact that in some sense you're kind of like you could imagine taking sartre or something you could imagine taking somebody who is like shit doesn't matter it doesn't matter. They're nihilistic. They <laughs> right. don't care. Right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You have this sort of it's a, it's like a neighboring philosophy to that, which I'm sure maybe someone has found sure at a... some point if you went and found them, which is that like it's not that nothing matters, it's that you're not capable of making a good enough decision to make it matter. So it's as if nothing matters. It's right. like you should right. you should do things. Right. So it's not like nihilism where nothing matters so you shouldn't do anything right. maybe right. or whatever. And it's not, we're not saying that what you do doesn't matter. What you do does matter. The problem is you're not qualified to guide it. Yes. Right? You just have to do it. Yeah. It's very interesting. So I I don't know. I want to know what we should probably look at what the philosophical name for that is because it's kind of a funny philosophy and possibly might be pretty accurate actually as well. I don't know. You're very crazy. So that is the end of his question. All right. At the end of the email, he says... I'm sorry if the questions sound too personal, but after listening to the show, I cannot help but think about them and thought that it's only fair if I tried to ask them because you chose to, in, you, I guess you choose to influence people through your ideas. I'm not sure how I'm influencing people yeah, through I my don't ideas. Know. I, and I, I would, feel like our audience is small enough that this sphere of influence is very small. Is very, it's so small. I may like, I may, I may want to have the ability to influence people's ideas, but I don't. I don't mind if you choose to cover them on some special edition of Jeff and Casey's show. I don't mind being quoted on them. Right. So we had we had Car Planche. Yep. Thanks for your time. Drop and your you're slot. part of the mega you're part of the mega cast. So he so is now part go. of the mask. Thank you very much for yep. your questions. Yep. And we hope we didn't do too bad of a job mm-hmm. answering them. With that, we will take a quick break. Yes. And we will be back with more. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to download We're gonna have to download these. We, we need again. more space on the camera. Yeah. All right. We'll see you in a moment.